0: You're listening to The Private Podcast for The Matrix with Amber Smith. Today's new topic, we're talking about the Art of Aligned Action this month. And we'll go through each Monday. I'm going to have like a different topic. Today is about one-on-one. We're going to talk about filling groups. We're going to talk about content. Today is about long one, so I want to just jump into that. But I wanted to start off with like what I think of as what does art of aligned action mean? Just that we have like a guiding principle for the whole month. <laughs> and so I wrote down using principles to guide your decision making and action that you take in the short term to get what you want to get in the long term. And so when I think of aligned action, this is not just what feels good. Like this is, you know, whatever. I'm going to experiment. And I do believe in experimenting so that when I think of the word aligned, it's always with something in the future. And it's what I'm trying to create, which is why we have to know where we're headed so that we know what action to take. The action should bring us closer to what we want in the long term. And so there are going to be trade offs, Right. That means in the short term, sometimes we're going to do things that are not comfortable so that. We can create what we want in the long term. And so this whole month, I'm going to talk about two principles for each of these things, which I've never taught at this way before. So I'm kind of excited to explore what this means for you. And the two concepts that I'm going to kind of show you and demonstrate is flow versus friction. Everything we choose has an element of flow and an element of friction. We have to know where we're at in our business to know how much flow we should have and how much friction we should have. For example, when I was a brand new coach, I had way more friction. I would do a lot of things that I don't do anymore because I've built a system. It's almost like I put in the time in the beginning so I could reap the rewards later. And so things that had a lot of friction was like one-on-one conversations. I really prioritized that as a new coach for DMs on Instagram, people who would respond to my email from my list, people in real life, people on my personal Facebook page, right? I would prioritize friction, which is like not scalable, not something I do a ton of anymore because of the phase of business that I was in. Now I have a lot more flow where people are asking me about one-on-one. It comes from different places. And so there's gonna be four, five, six, seven, eight. I have eight ideas for you on how to create one-on-one clients. And so I'm actually gonna write them down. And each has an element of flow and friction that we get to exercise depending on what we're trying to create in the phase of business that we're in. So these eight ideas are content, conversations, renewals, recalls that we sell, I just had like a podcast episode about this. I think many of you guys probably listened to it. So it's a little bit different than conversations that happen organically, right? This is like a formulated, structured call that we sell in order to get conversations going with our people. Network. So I would use this as like people you went to high school with, people who are on your current Facebook group stuff, people maybe you worked in corporate and you're connected with those people. Maybe you're still in corporate and you're connected with these people, your current network. Ascension. I experienced this a lot where people join something like the matrix or a masterclass, and then they kind of move up in offers until we work together one on one word of mouth. And this is what you don't know about. I love word of mouth because it's like people talking behind your back, but in a good way. Right. Like they're telling their friends about you. They're telling their colleague about you. So that's not something we can control. That has a lot of flow, right? There's not a lot of friction to creating word of mouth, except you have to be really good at what you do. You have to really serve your people so that they want to tell their friends about you, right? And then referral. Word of mouth and referral are very, I would say, related. They're a little bit different. I think word of mouth is people are just talking about you. Referral is like, hey, you should work with Kaylin, right? They're telling someone. And so what I want you to consider, this is like my little mental model for today. On one side, we have flow it's easy, things are happening, it's easy to do, it's leverageable, that's a word, it's leveraged, right? So content has lots of flow. I put one post out there, lots of people can see it. And on the other side, we have friction. And what I want to offer is depending on where you're at, in my opinion, this is how I see coaching. When you're new, you need to choose things that have more friction in the beginning. That's just the nature of our work because we're trying to get experience. We're trying to develop our self-concept. We're trying to create relationships based on value. And so if you've never been solely booked, if you're within your first year as a coach, I think a lot of what we should do, and this is what I did, I created a lot of friction in my business, which means it's not scalable. I wasn't worried about how it looked. I wasn't worried about if I could scale it in the long run. I wasn't worried about being high ticket at all. I just wanted to get experience. I wanted to learn my own onboarding process. I wanted to learn how I could basically like be a coach. (laughs) And so we'll go through down each of these on a list. And I want you to apply this in your own way. And I'm going to think of it like a sliding scale, right? It's not like binary. It's like it's either has friction or has flow. Usually it has like an element of both. It's how much friction, how much flow. So the example that I gave with content is like it's super easy to create content. And I think the mistake that I made as a new coach is thinking my content would create clients. And I think a lot of us probably hope that it does, right? It's a lot easier to type things on Canva and publish it than it is to actually DM someone and say, hey, I'm taking coaching clients. Do you know anyone that's looking for a coach to blank, right, to help them in their life? That has a lot of friction. And what I want to offer is that when you like, depending on how much leverage you have in your business, meaning time spent in the industry, experience actually coaching people, word of mouth referrals, like undeniable proof, things like that, where you collect over time. I think friction has a higher reward than anything that contains mostly flow. So like when you're a brand new coach, yeah, do renewals and word of mouth and referrals sound great. Yes, but you're not going to be able to develop them if you don't have any clients. And so you actually need to do more friction, which is like, I like how there's a great book called Shoe Dog, and it's about Phil Knight growing his business, Nike. Ever heard of that? <laughs> he talks about his like grassroots phase of his business where he's like going to trap meets and like driving his crappy car with these shoes from China that he bought or Japan. Anyway, like grassroots, right? Like not sexy, not scalable, not incredible flow. And I think that there's a season of business, especially for coaches, where we need to go through that. And if you're trying to skip that part, it's probably why things aren't working. And now there's this phase. So I want you to listen with just as neutral as you can, because some of you need less friction and more flow and you're ready to change your messaging, change the way you do things, depending on how much experience you've had, who you're currently working with, what you're trying to create. And so, like I said, it's a sliding scale. Next one is conversations. When I was a brand new coach, I spent a lot of time having conversations. I didn't try to measure, is this conversation going to pan out into a coaching relationship worth $3,000? I wasn't worried about that. I was worried about this individual person. I was developing my reputation as a coach. I was developing my skill set. I was developing my process. Like, how do I enroll a client? And so it wasn't like, will this person become money in my business? It really was planting seeds and getting. What's the right word? Like I am going to go with like the reputation of who I am as a person. Was I trying to be transactional? as I trying to value value versus transaction? If you think about it on the flow and friction continuum, value has no direct payback. I don't know if I'm going to get paid from this person. So there's a lot of flow. And what I found is when we do more of the flow activities, it comes back later. Friction is more for the now. And so when I would add value, I didn't necessarily sign that client, but. I developed a relationship over time. It was always worth it to me because I was in it for the long game, right? Like I talked about at the beginning, aligned action is being more concerned with what I'm creating long-term. I mean, I want the short-term wins, but it's more about who am I becoming? What results am I working for in the future? Renewals, like I said, little friction, right? I guess the friction of actually working with a client, but in general, you don't have to do a ton. You're already doing your work as serving the client, and the friction is being your best, developing your skill set, actually having a renewal conversation. But the flow is they already like you. They've already been in your world. They're more likely to renew. Free calls has a lot of friction. You have to put yourself out there. You have to do a lot of effort in the beginning to get people on the actual call with you. And they might not even sign up. Right. And I think there's this thought that we have like, this isn't worth my time, but I absolutely think it is, especially if you have a blank calendar trying to be a coach. Fill your calendar with free calls or like some people call them like coffee chats. I think when I see the word free coaching call, I think more of like an offer that you created with a specific focus for the client full of value. Networking, I think depending on who you are, like if you're a super chatty person, networking might come really easily to you. For me, it did not. It had a lot of friction. It did not feel easy to me to like talk to people that I used to work with or went to school with about what I was up to. And so this is one that I don't teach a time. You probably noticed I don't teach a ton of like out of network. But I will say that having your own network, you all have a network, whether you think it's awesome or not. And it is interesting. Sometimes it's like the clients are sitting right under our nose, but we're like too busy. Like, how do I create content to sign a client? It's like, well, is there any way in your real life that you could just talk about what you're doing that might be interested in coaching? Like, that's where I would start. It feels uncomfortable, right? The friction is risking in relationships, feeling uncomfortable, feeling stupid, worry about their judgment. That's where the friction is in networking. Slow is you already know these people. They already know you because that's like the hardest part about meeting people online is they don't know you. I don't want to tell you all my secrets. I don't know you, just met you, <laughs> right? Versus someone that you know, maybe has seen you develop and seen you grow. Ascension, I think, has a lot of flow after you've built your programs. So, you know, the friction is time, value added, creating these things for people to experience you before they ever work with you one on one. So the example that I gave was master classes or a group program or a smaller one on one offer. Like I've seen a few of my clients do this where they offer like a month intensive or a Voxer experience or something. And then they ascend into like a full blown six or 12 month one on one coaching experience. I think. For me, I always know I want an Ascension model, and we're going to be talking about the Ascension model later this year. I love it because I'm not worried about getting so many people into one-on-one like this group. I love this group, and I think it's really cool that I have a way to help more people at the same time. Another way to think about Ascension is like almost like a pyramid, where it's like at the bottom there's lots of people, and at the top there's maybe private clients, and they can work their way up the pyramid in a way that feels good to them so they can get to know you, learn trust you before one-on-one makes sense. To me, word of mouth is all flow because we can't make it happen. The only thing that we can do to make it happen is be great at what we do. Give them something to talk about. Hopefully, this is positive word of mouth. I didn't differentiate, but we're talking about positive word of mouth. We want people to tell their friends that, like, I got so much value from this person. And then, like I said, word of mouth and referral are highly related. But I think of referral as a specific, you should work with this person and sending them your way versus just in general shouting people's praises. And so, like I said, a little continuum, one of the things that I know is if I want something to happen this month, I'm going to pick something with a lot more friction. This is like the short term. So I'll give you a very specific example. I saw a friend that was taking clients, but she required them to go through an application process. This isn't bad. It's just applying a lot of friction to something. I was just curious about it. So I was like, why are you taking applications? She's like, I really want a specific kind of client. And so this is one of those examples that depending on how many clients are coming your way, I'm like, this is the duality. There's a lot of friction in application, right? So it separates out people from being able to work with you, but it also positions you as in demand. If I was going to choose even more friction than application, I would pick something like conversations. I would pick something that requires a lot of my time. (laughs) It sounds like backwards thinking, but it allows you to actually develop the relationship with the person you're wanting to work with. Other things that have a lot of friction, like I mentioned, was like the free calls, like where you're selling something specific to your audience, actually reaching out to people that you've ever worked with in your network. Maybe you look at your past clients and you're like, hey, I have this new offer. What do you think? And I think the problem is we want the easy solution, right? We want the flow. So a lot of us are like posting more about our one-on-one. I've been there. It's not that it's we don't post or don't talk about it in content. It's just that there's less friction. And so if I want something to happen like sign a client this month, something short term, I want to choose the things that are riskier. It's like backwards thinking, right? That actually feel harder to me because those have the rewards that are going to happen this month versus long term, right? Content might develop a relationship for the long run. They might be interested and they might even ask about what my one-on-one offer is that in the short term, real life conversations with people Real invitations, maybe, like I mentioned, talking to past clients or talking to my network about what I'm up to and asking if they know anyone. This is why I really like the book, The Prosperous Coach. He talks about high friction activities that are in alignment with signing clients and slow activities where it's more long-term when we're not trying to be transactional and really just trying to open a relationship. And so wherever you're at in this game, (laughs) some of you, it's like you figured out that conversations work well, that DMs work really well. Asking people if they know anyone or reaching out to your network or offering free calls works really well. And now you're fully booked, right? We want to create different systems so that there's less of the friction and more of the flow. So maybe a wait list, maybe a group program, something where it's like they go through an experience and then they just naturally want one-on-one. You don't need to do a lot of legwork to make that happen. If I was going to write this down, I would write down these eight things that this is aligned action for creating one-on-one clients. And I would start to ask myself, if I had clients, I would look at these, where do they come from? That's a great exercise. If you have one-on-one clients right now, where do they come from? Who are they? How do they find you? And then if you see a theme, do more of that, right? If a lot of your clients came from free coaching calls, when's the last time you offered a free coaching call? If they came from your network, how much are you prioritizing? Reaching out to your connection, keeping up to date with them so that they can send you more or even just like conversations with those people. I think one of the mistakes that I know I made is like, it's working, now it's time to try something new. It's like the shiny object syndrome. Instead of doing more of what's working until you're fully booked. Sometimes we have unconscious competence about these things. We don't know how our clients came from. In fact, I coached a woman this was about six months ago. And she was like, well, my clients have all come from work as if she didn't create them. And I love pointing this out. right? Like, you did create them. How? And she's like, well, and I'm like, really slow down and think, like, how did this woman find you at work? How did she know you were a coach? How did she know that she could ask you for help? And she's like, I think she saw a post of mine on Facebook. And I was like, yeah. So it's like that network, right? The personal network. And she was adding value. She asked her a coaching question and it kind of developed. And then she eventually just invited, like, Do you want to try it? And she thought that was just random. And what I wanted her to really see is she can recreate that until she was fully booked. For all of you you guys all have some version of this. The other thing that I want to use, almost like a little compass that I use for sure, is like what feels the most intimidating to me that's probably a good thing to do. So maybe it's like having a renewal conversation. I know when I was early on in my coaching business, I would shy away from renewal conversations because I was nervous about them saying that, you know, maybe I didn't get enough value from our time together or that they didn't want it. And it was funny because I would rather have a consultation than a renewal conversation. And I realized I was making it way harder on myself than it needed to be. I needed to come into like my own way of doing renewal conversation. And I have. I've developed it over time because renewals have a lot of flow. I don't have to work as hard to create a client. I'm looking at them, right? They're already in my world. I've already done the legwork to create them. It's so easy to just ask them to keep working together. Some other things I want you to consider is that you don't have to do all or nothing, right? It doesn't have to be all friction and no flow or all flow and no friction. And so this looks like a combination. And I think that this is the most powerful way to create one-on-one clients is combining these things, so that we create some flow and we create some friction, right? So like in a week that might look like recording a podcast, actually posting on social media and selling free calls and reaching out to my network. So I'm combining flow and friction. If I was gonna fill my calendar, let's say you have zero clients right now and you want fives, I would prioritize. I would not create content until I had done something that was high friction like reaching out to people, like actually having conversations. And so this is where we get to like hack our brain, right? What I'm afraid to do is probably what I need to do. When I was a brand new coach, I had like 15 minutes a day to market. Actually, I think I'm going to create a podcast episode. How to market your coaching business in 15 minutes a day. Because that's all I had. And I remember being like, what's the most important thing I could do here? And it was not to make a post because I couldn't control if people could see it. But I could control if I texted a friend. And just like saw how she was doing. If I reached out to an old boss and saw what she was up to. And then if it came up, I could talk about coaching. Actually DMing people, commenting on people's posts, things like that. Like I could control that. And that would be something that they could actually see. Lots of friction. This is risky business. It felt very risky to my ego to talk about coaching. Especially to people I knew. But those are the things that had the highest short-term advantage for me. It could literally create a client that month. And so I prioritized that. So there's basically three things I did in these 15 minutes and I wouldn't overthink it. I would just like bust it out. So like, if I want the coaching business, this is what I have to do. And so I go to big accounts like Tony Robbins, like the Life Coach School, like Jody Moore, people that I knew had my people, that they were already attracting the people that I wanted to talk to. And I would comment on the comments. I wouldn't leave my own comment. I would respond to people's comments because I'm like, this person is going to see it and they are a real human, right? They're actually going to see me respond. And I did it in a detached way. I didn't do it in a way that like secretly they're going to want to hire me. It's like I'm just adding value. I'm putting value out and I trust that it's going to come back and my name will be out there. People will see me. I did that for five minutes. I would do as many as I could in the five minutes, right? If I went to Tony Robbins and he posted a thing about relationships, I would go to the comments and respond to them like five. This is not a sexy way to build a business, and I understand that this is a lot of friction. But this is literally what I did in the beginning when no one knew who I was, when no one knew I was a coach. Or if people did know I was a coach and they're like, "Oh, you're a life coach," <laughs> right? Those were my people. There's a really great marketing story that you've probably heard of, but it's like, how do you be the best seller of hot dogs? And then marketing teachers asking, like, do you have to have the best product? Like, what lowest price? What is it? He's like a starving crone. I remember thinking that, like, OK, what that means to me is that there's already people looking for what I have. I just need to go find them and place my hot dog stand by them, <laughs> right? This is not like lean back. I'm going to create content and people will find me. I think that there's a time and place for that after you've done some work to create the reputation of over delivering, of creating value, of being in integrity. Some of you guys tune out. You already have done that in your business, but I would say if you're not creating the clients that you want, or you've just you know raised your prices, or you're in the grunt work, this is very relevant. That most people just aren't willing to do. They aren't willing to have these kinds of conversations and do this kind of work, this like high friction work. And I was never unwilling to do anything. I was like, I will do anything to make my business work. So that was the first thing I did in that 15 minutes of marketing. The second thing that I did is I would respond. So, you know, on Instagram, like you follow some people and some people follow you. I would go to the people who would follow me and respond to their stories, not with like an unsolicited DM. I would genuinely just be planting seeds of relationships. So it'd be like, your kid's so cute, like just basic response. So they saw my name. They associated me with positive things, a relationship that they might want to grow. It was not like a high pressure situation. Is it naturally evolved into them asking me about a coaching session, I would invite them to a coaching call with me. And that didn't always happen, and it's fine. Some of them, we just became friends or just acquaintances online. The third thing that I did in that fifth was post about my offer. Because in my thinking, after I put my name out there on other people's platforms with real human beings, maybe I've DM'd people, whatever, my name is out there and people are like, who is this person? If they came to my page my Instagram, and they watch my stories, they would see me talking about what I do. And that was like my little, if you want to use the word funnel, that was my little funnel for one-on-one. Along the way, I would always look for places where I could invite people to a real conversation with me. I've had people, I'm like, call me. And I would like send them my phone number, like right then, like if they talked about something they were struggling with. I'm like, call me. I'll talk to you about it. I was available. I didn't pretend that I wasn't too cool to have conversations because I'm like, this is what I do. I'm a coach. And those are the three things that I did every single day until I was fully booked. That was a lot of friction. And then it was 15 minutes. So it wasn't like mind bending how much effort I was putting in, but it was effort that like I just didn't have an ego about the effort required to get my business off the ground. When you comment on people's comments, what kinds of things were you saying? Did you expound on their comment, ask them questions? I would try to find ones that were asking questions. So like to use a Tony Robbins example, it's been a while since I've done this. So I'm glad that you asked this. It would be something like if he was posting about relationships and they had a question like, what do I do if my husband doesn't care about personal development? If you go and look at their accounts, there are literally people asking questions. Like, I wouldn't necessarily ask a question like that, but like there are people that do. And so I would just respond with value and with a lot of kindness and not trying to position myself as like the most knowledgeable person. Like I try to validate first and then offer some thoughts. I'd be like, I hear you. This is super hard. When I started my personal development journey, like my husband wasn't super on board either. What I did is I just found communities where I could feel support and I would try to and it was like a really thoughtful response. It wasn't a quick one. Usually it was really long and it was very value focused. It wasn't trying to position myself as like this person. It really was a value because this is what I also Other people are going to read my comment to that question. It wasn't just about the person. I did not want to seem like I was fishing for clients. I really wanted to be someone who was adding value. You could also do this in Facebook groups. I think the mistake is when you go into this as a transaction, we think differently. Like, how can I say this in a way that gets them to want to hire me? Wrong question. How can I say this in a way that genuinely helps them forever? That's the right approach, right? We're genuinely trying to be helpful, be of service. Sometimes I would ask them more questions, but for the most part, Caitlin, I really would just like look for people who are asking questions or it was someone who left a comment that I thought was also very insightful. I would be like, this is an awesome thought. It wasn't just me being the hero. It was also just being visible to people. So sometimes it was like, I love this idea. Maybe they added more value. And I was like, I love this idea. This is so awesome. Just getting my name in different circles. Especially, I think I had to do this because I wasn't like part of groups or anything. Like I just was like winging it. So I was like, well, there's people out there. Let me put my name in front of them, you know, and just be a support. Like that's why I want to coach anyway. And so I think when I think about that phase of business, it was a lot of tedious work. One of the things that I think is misleading is when we get into the online space, you hear people talking about passive income. Or on the energetic side, like being a magnet to ideal clients, like attracting them. And I believe that. And I never want to leave it up to something that I can't put my own effort into. I believe in both. And I think that's creation, right? Attract and make things happen. That's creation. I never wanted to just like post and hope that people would respond to me. I wanted to be initiating. And I think... I've coached people who they've made a lot of money and then maybe their business takes a dip. And I'm like, well, maybe it's time to offer one-on-one coaching to get some cash flow. And the shame that they feel, it's very interesting to help people process this because in my opinion, like I love one-on-one. It's not something I'm like ashamed that I still do. I'm like, I love one-on-one. I'm always going to have it. It's one of those short-term wins. I can sign a client this month. I could sign multiple clients this month if I'm willing to combine friction and flow. And I think the more you put in, Later, your business has a lot of flow where you are getting renewals and referrals and word of mouth and people come from your group programs or they come from a masterclass or they come from your network and you don't have to do a lot of those gritty, that's the word that causes like gritty, massive action pieces of like conversations. But there's a time and place for that. And it's knowing where you're at because some of you guys have clients and you're afraid to do this flip where you do more flow, less friction. And there's not right or wrong, because I know some people. So, for example, I love using Steve Hardison as an example because he still does a lot of friction type, word of mouth, realized conversation. Like if you looked at his Instagram, his Instagram doesn't have a lot of content. That's amazing. Like if you go on Instagram, this is a great exercise for you. Go on Instagram, type in Steve Hardison, H-A-R-D-I-S-O-N, and you will see his content is not amazing, coachy content. It is like screenshots of his computer, of his Facebook posts. It's pictures of his pillows that he makes on his bed. Like it's not this incredible content. And he has a wait list for a $200,000 one-on-one offer because he's doing conversations. He's calling people. Like one of my clients got like a little phone call from him. And he's literally doing high friction activities because that's how he wants to do it. So I just wanted to say that as an option. like You don't even have to create content to sign one on clients. You literally don't. You could just do conversations, meeting people, adding value, telling people that you're a coach, inviting people to have a conversation with you. And that could be your whole business model. I think for the most part, the reason that I do what I do is I like to combine both. Right? I love the Prosperous Coach book, but I also love online business. And I think that's a really powerful stance because I'm never beholden to one or the other. I can do both. But I think if you want to sign a client today, you could. If you were willing to have enough conversations and be bold enough. In serve enough people, you could sign a client today. And that was always my mentality with those three things that I shared that I did in the 15 minutes. This is so good. I'm realizing right now how rarely I share my thoughts through comments and other people's posts. Yeah, I usually gravitate towards DMs. Which is, I prefer DMs, if I'm going to be really honest. I prefer DMs. But I think if you want to put your name out there, right, that's a great way to get your name floating around in people's circles and in their mind. Because this is one of the other things, like the principle of marketing. Like I said, aligned action has to do with Principles. Sometimes it's not even being the most important post or the most mind-blowing post. It's that they saw your name again. In fact, this is something that's really important. Most of my one-on-one clients don't comment on my posts. I don't even know that they're considering working with me and all of a sudden we're talking about one-on-one because they're not interacting that way. And so the lurkers, I love lurkers because they're the ones that are really probably deeply considering what I'm sharing. And so don't use your social media as a gauge for whether you're doing the right things. I prioritize like conversations I have and obviously like the actual clients that I have. But in the beginning, it was like, how many conversations am I actually having? That's what I wanted to monitor, not how many likes that I get on a post. Do you do anything to filter out freebie seekers who aren't quite ready to invest in coaching? Or should I ditch that thought that there are some people who are ready and just serve freely? This is not a right or a wrong question. This is just my approach. I have always just given freely. It always felt better to me. I had someone who joined a, I don't like publish my booking link online. And that's not bad if you do. I just don't. I don't know how she found it. She booked it and gone to call. I'm like, so Trish, how did you find me? <laughs> she was like, I don't know. I just heard you on a podcast and I Googled your name and I found your calendar booking link. And I was like, okay, I don't even know how that happened. Anyway, she's like, I just want you to know, like, I'm not ready to buy coaching. I just wanted to talk to you. And I was like, okay. And so I coached her and we had a great conversation and we're still connected. She'd never bought anything from me. She comes to my free things, and she is definitely a freebie seeker, and that is okay. One of the things that I've learned by just observing some of my favorite mentors is that they give very freely, and are there a certain percentage of people who pay them? Yes, and they pay them a lot of money, and everyone else, it's like, I hope this serves you. Now, I do filter my time. like I do prioritize my time, Kaylin, especially. I just know what phase of business you're in. It's okay to filter our time. The way that I would filter it is just by imagining your best client when you're talking or when you're sharing an offer. And I'm assuming that you're talking about like selling free calls or inviting people to consultations, something like that. I would just speak to the highest version of this. This is for the person who wants to go from here to there, because a lot of freebie seekers aren't even here. They're like here. They're in the very beginning, usually, or they are massively consuming content but not taking a lot of action, which is fine. Like they're allowed to consume our content. It's not bad. It's just that who is primed and ready for coaching is probably further along in their journey. So you're speaking to that person who's a little bit further along in their journey. If I'm still pretty willing, like if someone's like, I don't know if I can afford you, but I'd love to talk about coaching. I'm like, sure, let's jump on a call. I still do that. Now, it might be in three weeks. That's when I have time or you might not have time when you have time, but I still want to be that kind of person. Now, I think that this is an interesting boundary to come up with if this person has been in my DMs for weeks. I will say I actually created a one-on-one client this way because she was always in my DMs. After every podcast episode, she'd have questions about what I was talking about. And in the beginning, I was just really excited to have someone responding. That was like I had a lot of time to have high friction in my business. I would actually respond. And over time, I realized like It wasn't an appropriate boundary because I had paying clients asking me similar questions and I would invest a lot of time into responding and giving them support. And so one day I was like, you know, I should name her (laughs) Jessica. You know, Jessica, I actually think you'd be a really good fit for coaching. I know that that feels like a really big step, but the questions that you ask are very high level. This is the kind of support I give to my one on one clients. I think you'd be a really great fit. And if not now, that's okay. But I do want to hold a boundary in the DMs because I have clients that are asking similar questions and I give similar support to my private clients and I am no longer available for this kind of relationship in the DMs. And it felt very risky. It did not feel good because I was like, oh, like what if she hates me? She ended up becoming a private client. Not right away, but I think I gave her the space to see herself in a container because I was wanting to hold a boundary. So I wanted to say that, too, because sometimes there's this balance of giving and having boundaries so that we are in alignment with the kind of person we want to be as far as like what we deliver to clients versus what we deliver to other people. So I always try and how it feels. Does it feel good to over deliver like this in the DMs for this client, Jessica? I was like, it doesn't feel good anymore because if my paying client found out I was doing this, I would not feel like I was in integrity. And that's how I knew it was time to draw a boundary. And so if you're worried about overgiving, that's what I would try on. Like, does this feel good? If my paying clients found out this is how I was offering value, even if they never did, right? Just integrity. Like, is this something that I want to give? Because I do give a lot, but I do have boundaries. So that's my two cents on that. So I want you to come up with like a little plan. I shared with you like my little plan of three things that I did every single day. And one of the things that I don't talk about a ton, but like I did it without trying to attach anything to my activities. I just did it. I'm like, this is the kind of person I am. I add value. I let people know what I do and I talk about how they can work with me. The thing that changed my life was really making it about them and not about me. Because I think when we try to make it about us, it can start to feel really heavy or it can start to feel like people are judging or whatever. Or we become coaches to help other people, right? They are the hero. We are the guide. This is not about us. This is about them. And so when I do those three things, it's always about being of service to the person that I'm interacting with. This is not about looking cool or being the best, if that makes sense. And so if you look at this little set of eight, I'm sure there's other ways they probably just like fall into one of these umbrellas. What are you going to do to sign one of them clients today, this month, in this season? That was something that I had never worried about. I don't even know if this resonates with, I know. I've coached people through this is why I bring it up, where it's like, I'm beyond that. And I would never say that. I just would never say I'm beyond that if that's what I'm trying to create. And so these offerings for you, these eight things, some of you are trying to learn how to get out of this. Like, for example, like, I don't want some, I want to want a ton. One, because I became fully bugged. And so it's just a different process. Two, I did these things in the beginning. It's not that I didn't do them. It's just most of the time people are reaching out to me about 101. So I am in more of like the flow for 101. If I'm not getting flow, I have to do something involving friction. And most of the time it is scary. It doesn't feel great, but it will create clients. Evaluate for yourself where are you at? What do you need to do more of? What do you need to do less of? What are you trying to create? In the beginning, I was willing to coach anyone and I did. Now I am. Not willing to coach anyone, but I have results that I'm okay with saying no to people. In the beginning, I wasn't. I wanted the experience, even if it was someone really hard to coach. That was useful to me in that season. So I think when you evaluate all these eight things, flow, friction, where am I at? Where do I want to be? Knowing the season you're in, this is why it's hard to take courses because it's like, well, where are you at? And I tried to teach and you could even kind of like scroll through Pro Coach. And I was trying to teach people the transition to high ticket. But that's not for everyone. Not everyone wants to charge high ticket. And not everyone is in their season of business where that makes sense, which is why I like doing things more like this. where It's like a mental model, not a how-to. It's how are you going to apply this? That's the question. If you use ideas from what I did, that's fine. Like, I hope you do. I hope you spark creativity. But it's more, what are you trying to create today? What are you also planting seeds for in the coming months? How can I help you? Who has something that they want to work through based on what we talked about today? You guys are all fully booked, doing great, no mind drama,
1: in spring. (laughs) So I just did this two-week training challenge, and I had 43 people signed up. and Many of them were people who were already on my email list or already in my ecosystem. But I wanted to do this. Part of me didn't know why I wanted to do this. I just was like so strongly drawn to do it that it was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be mad at myself later. I don't really know why. And as I was doing it, I realized I have learned so much. I'm like a completely different coach now. And it helped me put into words, you know, because I sent a daily email. I did two group calls. I was doing posts. And it was like a whole different person was coming out, you know, the coach that I've become that is worth more. And I learned I needed to tell people, show people, like have them experience this different way of being that's possible through working with me. And it felt awesome to do it for free. None of me was like, you know, if I don't get clients out of this, then I'm a failure, you know, which is also new. So I raised my prices after our call last Monday. It was like raising the prices as you were talking. (laughs) And I put those out on Saturday and again on Sunday. And I just went and checked. And I'm like, okay, nobody signed up. And that's okay. It's one day. And I also know I've been it for the long haul, the long game. I've seen how people turn into clients later. I guess I'm sitting in some confusion of like what to do now. I've followed so many people with marketing and I've gotten to the point where I like filter it all and go, what works for me? And one of the things I often see is just like, send them a chain of emails after you do something that like, hey, there's this thing here. Hey, there's this thing. And part of why I like to work with you is because you're not like that. You know, I like following coaches who are not into the like super powerful cell. And I feel like there's an opportunity here that my brain hasn't figured it out yet. And one of the ideas I had was like, I love writing. It helps me. I enjoy it. And I take the ideas and put them into social media posts and all of that. So I was considering doing like a super low cost. Hey, if you really liked this and you want to continue having support, you know, like $29 or something that's like a really low cost way for them to stay connected to me. So I don't know. I just wanted to get your thoughts about kind of all of that.
0: Yeah. So the $29 thing, is it like a membership?
1: What I was thinking, is it just purely a weekly email that's like, hey, I'm here. Have you thought about this? Here's a challenge. Here's an idea. Here's my Pinterest page for spice organizing. Okay.
0: It's like a platform where people like write basically and people pay to have access to their writing. This is what I'm curious about though. Would you rather have someone pay you $29 a month or would you rather have them hire you one-on-one? You can do both, but like, what are we working on this month?
1: It's a good question. And I've been thinking up until really the last couple of weeks that I'm only selling one-to-one. But then I realized I actually want to take time off this summer. And so I had been thinking, okay, I want to sell six-month coaching. Actually, I don't. I have a lot of ideas brewing for bigger programs, group programs. So I guess this would be just a way for them to still stay connected. And I wasn't even thinking $29 a month. I wasn't thinking a membership thing. I've done that before. This was more of just like, just pay this. You get six months or whatever. I don't even know how long it would be. That's just what came to mind. Six months of
0: emails. They wouldn't pay per month. I think you should check out Substack, especially for your niche. It'd be an interesting thing for you to play with, for people to stay connected, but you still make money. The other thing that I like is like, like you could have a boxer group where it's like, we don't meet. It's just an ongoing thread of support, like a support community. There's lots of things you can do, that you can still make money when you're not taking clients if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'm really going to strongly recommend is that you start a wait list. They might not be ready now, but they might be ready in September when you're ready to take clients. And the pricing
1: that I put out there, I did give the best pricing for five phone calls i'm looking at potentially taking some time off in the summer and if, if you i have a client are
0: taking time off in the summer
1: i am taking time off in the summer <laughs> thank you so i still would like to have some clients i just don't want to take on six month
0: clients right now you shared the five call offer so and you already yes. sent that in the email so this is what i like to do how well do you know these people some of them
1: really well how do you tell them are already clients with me But, you know, their calls will be ending in the next month. or so.
0: How do you feel about personal reach outs?
1: Awesome. That's what I put down as like the thing that I'm most afraid of. It also has the highest return is my personal reach outs. It like makes my heart skip a beat thinking about it. And I have a huge positive response to it. So,
0: yeah. This is our advantage to a big brand. Like we can actually spend the time to write a really beautiful, thoughtful, personalized message to someone and be like, from real service. It's not about like, I'm trying to hit my numbers for the month. It's like, I know this particular offer would really resonate with you. And I can't stop thinking about you. I'd really love to hear what you think about this. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't respond, they don't respond. But I think it's a really powerful way like, to invite people
1: it is. And I have tried that and it has awesome responses. Like I said
0: earlier, right? The things that work, we, for whatever reason, stop doing. I think
1: I realized I was avoiding it in part because this deeper part of me was like, don't take on six-month clients. And that's what I wanted to sell. You know, I was like, I want to make the money. I want to make the money. I want to get these clients. And then this other part of me was like, what about your book? What about some other ideas? If you don't have time for me, then you're kind of stuck. So now that I'm more clear about what I want, it'll be easier to do that.
0: And I think knowing the priorities. So when I was newer, my priority was always cash flow. I always prioritized cash flow. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm making money this month and next month. A book is not going to do that for me. That doesn't mean that a book is bad, right? Or a group even. I was like, I'm going to prioritize one-on-one because it's my highest return and make the most and I can make it happen this month or next month. So that allowed me to build. And so if you already are having clients paying you, part of your work is going to be like, okay, like, I need to stop doing this if you want, right? Depending on what you're wanting to create, have the cash flow coming in. Now I want to create a sub stack or a book, but if right. have the cash flow coming in. Let's do that first and then do these other things. That is the crux right
1: there. Like I'm not excited to take time off with no money coming in. So then let's be creative.
0: You could sell one-on-one and have a start date later. This feels weird, but people do this. They can make a deposit to reserve their spot in the future. They can pay for, you know, five calls. And you're like, I'm not available this month. You're allowed to do that. And we start up in August or whatever. The calls don't disappear. Awesome. I love that. Some stuff to play with. Thank you so much. Kaylin, can you talk more about a wait list? I've had so many women say they want coaching, but they're taking time off from the summer and they want to jump back in August, September. Yeah, I would definitely start a wait list if you're having people tell you they want to start later because the truth is all of you guys have a limited number of one-on-one spots because you have a limited number of time in the day. You can make it as big or as small as you want, but there's still a limit. It is okay to say you have a limit and be like, if you want one of these spots that are starting in August... And also, Kaylin, if you start selling people this month and next month, you might not actually have spots come August and September, and you're allowed to say that as like a false scarcity tactic. When I have limited spots of one-on-one, I do tell people, "I'm like, this is true. I have one spot. If it's for you, it's for you, and if not, that's okay." But I feel like you should know. And so, I think the waitlist idea for August and September, as long as it's coming from a good place, instead of like, I know you, so I know it's coming from a good place, but. We have to remind ourselves of that right Something that it's like good to like this is an integrity for me this is a good thing i'm not like lying this is true i have three spots available for an august start date and if you want to claim one of these spots like the first option is the waitlist. but my only thing that i want you to consider is are you going to stop selling 101 through the summer because if you are the waitlist will be great but if you're going to continue to sell 101 through the summer you might not have spots depending on how long your containers are with the clients that sign in May or June or July. So it's something to be honest about. When someone's like, okay, I really want to work with you. Like I had a client in January who's like, I really want to work with you, but I'm working with a coach till April. And I was like, that's totally fine. Like I'm not going to lie to you, but if I don't have spots in April, I won't be able to take you in April. And as long as you're okay with that, we can have a tentative agreement to start in April. But I don't follow up, you guys know I talk about this, like I'm not the creepy, are you ready to work with me? That's not me. And so I was like, you'll have to let me know when you're ready. And if you let me know and I don't have spots, we can pick a later start date. And she was saying she ended up being ready earlier. Anyway, that's like besides the point, I think just being able to articulate what you have available, what the reality is of your coaching business. I think that that always feels good just to be clear communication. Okay. Rebecca, I think you actually have like a different conversation going on about starting a wait list. Maybe it's the same as Killen's that I interpret that differently, that you want to start a wait list. Actually, I think the application process is better for you, Rebecca, just because I know that you want to start the application and that can be your wait list. It's like you have to sell the application. Then you put out, you know, how many spots you have available. So like my hair lady does this. She like has limited spots available and she only opens spots to her current clients first. If it books up, she doesn't have any more spots. See you next quarter. Like that's how she does it. And I think of it like that for you, where it's like you fill out an application You will hear from me when I have spots available, first come, first serve. I don't know if that resonates, but I think so. It's like a wait list, but a little bit different. And that could just be how you always sign clients. This is what I have done for my 101. If you go to my actual website and you read about 101, I say, I'm not taking 101 clients. If you've been referred by one of my private clients, email me. That is my default. And so there is like a process that people go through. I think that could be your process where it's like they have to fill out an application no matter what. And if you have spots, great. And if not, that's okay. They know that because I think that that's where you are wanting to go anyway. And as people apply and see and it's open, it can become something regular where you open spots. I think that that friction versus flow, right? So if you look at this at the whiteboard, one of the things that I would add, I would put application in Ascension where it's like they are ascending from even if it's just from Instagram, it's not like this easy thing to work with you. And that is OK. That is a form of friction that comes after flow. So I'll have to talk about this on a different day because I want to honor you guys' time. But we do friction, flow, and then friction once we start having a lot of flow, right? Once we start having a lot of people reach out to us, Rebecca, this is what I'm talking about for you. Or for me, like I'm not taking clients. That's adding friction again. Because there's too much flow, which is a good problem, but a problem nonetheless. Or in Rebecca, your case, like when you sign a client, you've got a lot of work. So it's not like you want five clients. I mean, I'm sure you'd love the money of five clients all at once, but the workload of five clients all at once, you probably don't want. And so you want to stagger it. So you want to increase some sort of friction so you can decide when they start, when they pay, when the project is completed, things like that. So I really like the application for you. Let me know if that resonates, though. That's what I would do. I would make everyone fill out an application and then you open spots when you actually have spots. Okay. Any other questions? Doesn't have to be about applications or wait lists. Anything about one-on-one clients from anyone.
2: Yeah. This conversation at the end got me thinking, so I love that I'm doing those level 10 impact hours and like the one today naturally turned into like a consult at the end, yeah. which was really cool. So i consider now like my level 10 impact hour is like flow. It yes. is free. It is giving. It is in service. I love them. And if the people want to talk about a consult, great. So like, to me, that's my flow offer. I have some friction built into my one-to-one and I'm like, Ooh, I know there's not right or wrong, but from strategic, from your standpoint and experience. So in my Calendly, I have a lot of specific questions about like who they are, what they're proud of, what's working, what's not working, blah, blah, blah. And then I say like, Because I do want to filter to high committed clients, and so I say this investment is eight thousand dollars for six months. You know, if this is something that you want to discuss, you know, blah blah. I don't know how I said it. It's better than that. That is my last question. Like, is that something interested or committed at this type of level? And I'm like, I like to be open with my pricing. Like, it feels good for me. It doesn't bother me. And as much as like I would like to sign clients to, I don't necessarily want to work with someone who is in complete like denial yeah. and wants answers from me I want them to be self-led or to at least coach them into being self-led yeah. is that too much friction to kind of have an application for someone that doesn't want a level 10 impact call they like yeah I don't want private coaching what do you think like am I putting too much friction out there by kind of saying, no, I believe there are people that are willing to pay this and work with me right now. And I'm still willing to let the people who are not just gloss over my Calendly and not sign up.
0: Yeah. So this is something that I found. The moment we put our prices out, we get less consultations, but mm-hmm. the consultations we do get are higher quality. That's what I said. So before I went through a phase where I like did the thing where I hid my price, which is not it just doesn't feel good to me. So I stopped doing that. But when I was protecting my price or it was like, well, I have different options. Like, let's get on a call. I had more consults. Mm-hmm. So it's talking to more people, but most of them were no because it came like a was like a sticker shock. Now, my consult close rate is a very, very high. Like if I'm having a consult with someone about one on one, it's like 95 percent because they've already seen my prices. They've already know who I am. It's like if we're talking about working together, they're already a yes for the most part. But I did the friction flow friction to get there. And so question for you is, do you want to have a chance at talking to more people about your coaching or do you want it to be kind of like, I don't get a lot of consults, but the ones I get are a yes. There's no right or wrong.
2: Yeah, because these level 10 impact, like I see it working. My thing is, I just want to be coaching people. I want to be on calls with people. I want to give them the experience. Truly, that's what I want. It doesn't bother me at all that I don't have people booking consults. I force myself to do friction work every single day. I have for two years and it's not a problem. Like I just do it and I do not care if I get a response or not every day. So now with the level 10, if it naturally comes up, then we shift into a consult right there. And I don't even feel bad about it because I'm getting basically their permission. I'm like, do you oh, have yeah. anything else coming up? And she's like, well, yeah, tell me about your offer for one to one. It was like, OK, just turn into a consult.
0: Those are my favorite kinds of calls because they ask you about it. And so it's like permission granted. But that's not how it started it Started with service, which always feels better to me. So I think if you're OK with that, go really hard on selling the free call. And okay. do that. It's a numbers game at this point. There's this yeah. that happens where you will just start signing clients if your focus is on service and then you let your one on one be what it is and just know you're not going to have people booking consults because like, I use Rich Litvin a lot like his one on one's one hundred and eighty five thousand dollars. There's not that many people booking his call, right? If yeah, they you, yeah. they've already gone over the price objection, who he is, what the offer is, because the details are on his website or they've had a conversation with him before. And so it's like flow, friction, flow, right? Or friction, friction. flow, friction, depending on, I guess, it's more friction. friction. <laughs> so if you're okay with that, then we're creating flow into the level 10 impact hour call for you.
2: Yes. Okay. So- that yeah. sounds good. Like, I'll just leave it because that's what I want. And I'm getting people the yeah. way that you help me sell a free thing, which is not selling the free thing, really. Like
0: Yes, yeah, and I would still talk about your bring out your Badass on your Instagram. I wouldn't do it as much as the level ten, but I would reference it and I would bring it up because then it's like what I was talking about earlier, right? Like service, service, service. I have this thing, and they're like, "I just had a great call with Tell me more." Think yeah. that I'm going to throw out there. I was always really scrappy.
1: At the beginning,
0: I would invent. I still do invent custom one-on-one packages.
2: You mean if required at some point, it's not that I'm giving up on bringing out your bad. No, advantage. it's still there. It's the, name. It's the same it's like, thing.
0: It's like so as an example, my Ignite Your Life, it was my seven thousand dollar six months big one on one package that I ate. after I read the Prosperous Coach, I was like, This is the kind of person that I am. So I went to yeah. some I had someone who was like, I cannot do this. Do you have other ways to work with you? And I was like, I don't love it. And this is true. I don't love shorter one-on-ones. I like longer one-on-ones. And I was like, so I don't love three months. Can you tell me why you want a three? Then I kind of made them tell me that they're actually going to get something from it because I don't love the shorter for a lot of reasons. I didn't offer this to everyone, but I offered it to this person who was like, okay, I'll do a $3,500 three-month package with you. And she's like, done. My husband's always like, you're wheeling and dealing. He'd always tell me that because like I would invent things. Because I was willing to do things that I'm not willing to do now, but then just so I can have the experience and the cash flow, because that was very important to me. When we talked
2: about price today, I told her, I say, honestly, like, and I do, I work with the person in front of me and it's important to me that it is a stretch, but the investment doesn't come from fear. And I said, what does that look like for you? Like pay in full versus a payment option. And she goes, ah, both are really stretchy. And I said, okay, what would, you know, like 4K up front, 4K within 60 days. And she's like, yeah, I can look at that. And I said, I don't accept payment if it's coming from fear because she was like, oh, like, I think I should be able to do this by myself. But, you know, and part of me is judging me like, why do I need a coach? And I'm like, I won't coach you from that type of belief that you need me. When you get to the point, if you do, that you just want it and that this works for you, but it stretches you, that's when you'll see results. And so we had that conversation and I'm like, just get back with me if it, whatever. But I don't want people thinking they need me, right? Like, no. I don't know. Maybe that's going to turn people away, but I.
0: The only thing I'm going to share about like what I learned from Steve Chandler and Rich Living from his coach is to end the conversation in the context of possibility. Against that, because I've had people sell boats, sell Bitcoin, get inheritances, literally sometimes a year later, like it's not always right away where they have the money. And because I left the door open where it was like, but you don't know how this will come to you or how you can create it if you want to. I'm not saying you have to, but if you wanted to use it for this. Right. And so you want to come back to like, why does coaching resonate with you? What are we trying to create together? And do you feel like we could do this? Right, Bri, Yes. Do you feel that like we could do this together?
2: I like that. I kind of did that. I could do it better because I was like, there is making investments out of fear. And I said, I've seen you because she had a consult a year ago and canceled it with me. And we've talked. Yeah. She's been on other free calls. I mean, she keeps coming back. And so I said, I see you. And I said, you get to choose to make this decision out of what's possible, out of potentiality, because we talked all about all of that today. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay, I'm so going to so challenge so you. The next time you okay, talk so. to, her, I've had people like this, okay, and who are like skirting and dancing and flirting with me, it yeah, that way, <laughs> but like, and I'm like, listen, like whatever her name is, listen, Joanna, I know we could create great things, and I know that because we have a history of like you wanting this and getting scared. The uh-huh. difference is when you invest in a coach is, I'm there when you get scared, I'm there when you get nervous. We're doing it together. Imagine what you could create if it wasn't like, oh, I don't know, and then backing out. It's like, I don't know. But my coach is in my corner because I said yes. I love that. And it's risky to do this with people. But if you love them enough to see what's possible and you know you can help her, I think that's a really a way you lead them through the yes.
2: Would it be too much now that we got off that call? It almost went two hours, which is fine. Like even though I only had it for an hour. But is it like too pushy to kind of follow up with like Maybe an email like that.
0: You connect with her on Instagram? Yes. I'll just tell you what I would do. I would send a voice message and be like, I can't stop thinking about our call. I know that it's nerve wracking. We've talked working together, but I just want you to know selfishly, I would love to work with you. I see you creating great things together. I am sure when you're ready, but there is no pressure. I just felt like you should hear that from me.
2: Okay. I told her that on the call. I said. Say it again. Okay. Yeah. That feels like barf to do, but I will.
0: But sometimes clients need us to lead them through the yes. Not all the time. This is like one of those discernment pieces. But i found like a handful of people needed me to walk them all the way through their yes. Okay. Thank you. That's okay. huge. All right. So tomorrow we have office hours with me. Ask me anything. We're going to do more of like this kind of stuff, but it won't just be relevant to 101. And I mean everything. I want to be more hands-on with you guys. So I will see some of you tomorrow if you can come. And if not, we'll meet again next Monday for Aligned Action for GROUP. And of course, if you have any questions we talked about today, it's not like it's off limits to talk about. So definitely ask me. Tomorrow, it is at the same time. It won't always be at the same time. I'm working. Do you send an email? I did. I'm going to send an email with the Zoom link and everything. Trying to get regular hours because these are new calls. This month might be different than June, but eventually I want it to be regular. Ask Amber anything content creation calls. They'll start to be regular calls monthly. It'll probably always be on a Tuesday. My guess is it'll be like 9 or 10 a.m. on Tuesdays. Okay, you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.